0: Wants us to take new chapters that he wants us to write. God is always working in our lives. And this morning, we're going to continue the series that we're in, looking at the various areas where God wants us to take new steps. And this morning, we're going to look at the idea of reaching out to other people. So, would you look in your Bibles, please, to Colossians chapter four? We're going to read some words. Paul wrote. He wrote them to some people that he had not yet met. In fact, Paul was on his missionary journeys, and all of a sudden, a fellow missionary came and reported to him and said, Paul, you're not going to believe it. The good news about Jesus Christ is spreading even farther and wider than we ever even knew. In the city of Colossae, there is a new group of believers. They heard the good news that Jesus died on a cross for our sins, was buried, and rose again on the third day and they are meeting together they're they're growing in the Lord so once Paul heard this word he wrote the letter to them you can see in verse 9 Paul said of chapter 1 he said ever since I heard about you I've not stopped praying for you and I want to get over to where you are to minister to you and let you minister to me so in chapter 4 as Paul rounded the corner and headed for home He wrote these words that kind of lead into his final greetings. In verse 2, Paul said, Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each person. Paul is focusing here, he focused in these verses on how we as people who have come to know Jesus Christ then continue ministering in the world to to the people who are broken, hurting, and lost and do not know him. In these verses, there are some instructions that Paul gives to us for those who want to reach out to people who need the good news of Jesus. First, Paul said that we have to understand the outsider's condition of people who do not know Jesus. Look at what he said in verse 5. Paul wrote, act wisely toward outsiders making the most of the time. We have all sorts of distinctions in the world. We talk about people who are introverted and extroverted. We talk about people who may be um, uh, athletic and people who may be uh, musical and people who do all different types of things. We can group people into various categories. But the only two categories that really matter are those who know Jesus Christ and those who do not. That really is the only dividing line that lasts throughout eternity. And Paul introduced a a term here that we don't really see in other places in the Bible. Paul said, if one does not know Jesus Christ as Savior, he's an outsider. Not in the sense of, hey, we don't want to let him in. But in the sense of they've not been rescued by Jesus. They are not under the protection of his grace and mercy. They do not enjoy the blessings that we have. They are outsiders. But Paul's mention of this term outsider wasn't simply an informative one. It was a compassionate term. If we could bring Paul back... And interview him, we might say, Paul. Why did you risk your life to go to to go to every city in the known world where you could reach? Why would you suffer imprisonment? Why would you allow yourself to be beaten? Why would you spend an evening hanging onto a piece of wood in a water after uh, in the ocean after a shipwreck? Why why would you put yourself through all of these sufferings and, and trials? Why would you go through that? And Paul would say it's because outsiders are destined for destruction. People who do not know Jesus Christ have no hope after the grave. I've only been here really not even four months, and so we haven't had a lot of discussions about eternity and heaven and hell, and specifically in those, in, you know, just solely those discussions, but I don't think the Bible could be any more clear. When we close our eyes for the final time, we do not cease to exist. Every person lives on. The 70, 80, 90 years that we spend here on earth is only scratching the surface of who we will be Eternity awaits. And Paul was brokenhearted and burdened over any man, woman, college student, teenager, boy, or girl who had not responded to the good news of Jesus Christ. And so, because of his compassion, he sends word to us to say, if you want to reach people, there must be an understanding of the outsider's nature of people who do not know Jesus Christ. As just shortly after I began traveling and speaking, I was, made the transition from being the student minister at Mount Vernon to being a full-time speaker. I was headed to do a county-wide Disciple Now in Water Valley. And one of the organizers said, look, we, we have a couple of hotels here, but they're, they're not really the type of place where we would like for you to stay. So give us some guide. You know, what, what do you want to do about lodging? Do you want to stay in Oxford? What do you want to do? And I said, well, there are a couple of college students who were in the, in the church that I served as student minister, and they're in school at Ole Miss. Water Valley isn't that far from Oxford. I'll just stay in their apartment and drive back and forth. They said, great, that will work out good for us. It will work out well for us, and that will be better for you. And so that Friday afternoon, I left Columbus, drove up to Water Valley, spoke in the evening service, stayed around for some late-night recreation, and then hopped in my car, drove to Oxford, and got to the apartment where Chase and Eric were staying. And so I knocked on the door and went inside, and they were waiting for me. We spent a lot of time talking and catching up, and then we decided it was time to go to bed. So the, the bedroom where they had me staying had a little half bath in there where you could brush your teeth, and so I didn't even go into the hall bathroom. The next morning, however, I needed to take a shower to get ready to go to speak, and Chase and Eric were not awake yet. And so quietly, I tiptoed down the hallway and opened the door and put my little shaving kit out and got soap and shampoo. And then I pulled back the curtain to the shower. Animals lived in that apartment. <laughs> you could have grown potatoes in the bottom of that shower. It was disgusting. I, I don't mean it was a dark color. It was black. And so I looked at my health records to make sure my tetanus shot was updated before I even got in there. So I I looked under the counter and they did have some uh, Tilex or soap scum remover at full bottle. And so I pulled it out and I sprayed it, but I did not clean the entire shower. I only cleaned out a spot where I could stand because I wanted them to see how dirty their shower was. And so I sprayed it in, you know, maybe a foot by two feet and, and got that clean and then took my shower. When they finally rolled out of bed, I said, come here. Come here. Here. And they went into the bathroom. And I and dr- I mean, I had it worked out. I had closed the, you know, the shower curtain back. And so in dramatic fashion, I went, look at this. And they said, yeah, we know. (laughs) They did know. They knew that their shower was disgusting. They knew that it was filthy. They didn't walk in the shower and say, we did not know this. We, we, We better clean this up. They knew. They just didn't care. That's the way a lot of people... Who know Christ are about those who don't know Christ. We know this world is broken. We know the vast majority of people on this planet do not know Jesus Christ the Savior. In fact, there is a substantial number who never even have heard the name Jesus Christ. And that thought does not catch any of us by surprise. There isn't a person in this room who says, I thought most people in the world were Christians, we know, but may not care. Paul said, "I do. I care. That's why I'm willing to go to Rome. That's why I'm willing to go to Corinth, Thessalonica. I'll go wherever people have not heard the name of Jesus Christ." These categories aren't just like, "Are you a Mississippi State fan or an Ole Miss fan? Are you an outside person or an inside person?" This distinction makes an eternal difference. I've told you before about my friend Marty, who's a pastor at a church in Las Vegas. I love going out there. If you've been in our Wednesday evenings, you may have heard me mention. I may have said this on Sunday. I don't know, but I know I've talked with our Wednesday group about it. That church started uh, eight years ago with 40 people. This morning, it's 842 out there. so they're just, They've been in their first service of the day for close to an hour. And before this day is over, they'll have over 800 people there from 40. And here is the secret to their growing. Those people remember what life without Christ is like. They remember how empty they were. They remember how wandering they were. They remember how broken they were. I have never been to Anthem Community Church not a single time that someone did not come to me and say, Gary, I want you to meet my friend. We work together. And I thought I would invite him to church. What if our church were to become that way? What if our church were to have a burden on our hearts over the hopeless? peril that people who do not know Jesus Christ face. Everybody has a next. Paul then said, we not only have to have this heaviness on our hearts about the condition of people who do not know Christ, he said we need to make the most of the opportunities that we have to try to get the good news to them. Now, he talked about this in a couple of different ways. He said in verse 3, Pray for us that God may open a door. He said we're looking for a door. We're looking for a way to make a connection, a bridge, so that we can get from where we are to people who do not know Christ. And then in verse 3, 4, he said, so that I may make it known as I should. He said, I don't want to waste those opportunities. I don't want to let them get past me. Verse 5, act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Paul said, look, the opportunities are there. Before anybody says, well, I I just don't know any people who do not know Christ, Paul says, yes, you do. You just have to open your eyes to see those people and then capitalize on the opportunities that you have with them. Now, he mentioned a couple of specific instructions here down in verse 6. He said, "As you talk with them, as you begin to pull back the curtain of your heart, your heart and share what God has done in you. He says, "Let your speech always be gracious." Paul said, don't ever take on a tone that is harsh and and condemning because before Jesus saved us, that's exactly who we were. Some of us may have come to Christ earlier, but we were still in the same position of being alienated from God. And so so he said, be compassionate, be tender-hearted, don't ever compromise the truth. Don't ever back away from what we know to be right. But let everything that you say be seasoned with graciousness. And then he said, also let your speech be seasoned with salt. Now, we, we may have talked about this before at some point. I don't remember. But back in Bible times, they did not have freezers and refrigerators. So in order to preserve meat, they could not go out and and kill their deer and have it processed and then put it in the freezer to bring out later. So in order to preserve their food, they would take handfuls of salt and would work it into the texture of the meat, and the salt would act as a preservative. It It would fight off the germs and the bacteria. And so Paul was saying here, Look, let your speech also be seasoned with salt, meaning live a pure life. So that when you talk with people and say, look, Jesus will change your life, that they don't say to themselves, well, he must not be much of a life changer because he didn't change you very much. Paul said, let your your speech be seasoned with salt. So that as you talk with people about Jesus, they say, you know what? I knew who you were before. He has changed you. You are different. Those old habits that you had, they they don't control you anymore. And the way that you're speaking to me draws me into a relationship with Him. We, We have to make the most of the opportunities that we have. We don't have to wonder whether or not the opportunities are there. They are there. We have to look for ways to make the most of them. I had another example that I was working on for this message, but last Monday I got a new one. I was eating across town with Mr. Charlie and Rick Garner and Jerry. They were giving me a dissertation on all the things that I've done wrong since I've been here. Uh, Took them three days to get through it. But we were sitting out on the porch at Pepper's, And as we were finishing up, a young lady named Stella came out. And she stopped at our table and said, I've made a commitment to tell every person that I see what Jesus Christ has done for me. And she said, there was a time in my life when I went to church every Sunday And I had the pastor fooled, and I had the church members fooled, and they all thought that I was living a good life, but but the Lord said to me, you don't have me fooled. And then just in an engaging way, I don't know why she stopped. We may have looked like a bunch of reprobates. I don't know. She stopped at our table, and she shared with us in that time frame, this is what Jesus Christ has done for me. And when she finished with our table, she walked to the end of the porch and did exactly the same thing with those people, just as sincerely and just as passionately. What if our church became like Stella? When she walked off down to the, to the next table, I asked the people at our table, How would you have responded if she said, come to church with me Sunday? We would have all gone. What if we said our next step is looking for the opportunities that God gives us to connect to people who are wandering, hurting, broken, in need of redemption. And we made the most of all of those opportunities the same way that she did. Paul mentioned one other idea here. He said there needs to be a heaviness on our hearts about the condition of people who are outsiders. We need to make the most of the opportunities that we have with them at, at school and, and uh, at work in neighborhoods. And then he said we also need to Pray. In fact, that's the way this passage began in verse 2. Paul said, Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. And then he continued, he said, And at the same time pray for us, that God may open a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Paul said, Look, if, if we're going to reach out to people in the world, if we don't want the outsiders to stay outside, if we don't want the outsiders to be inside, then we need to pray. God is the one who knows all of their life circumstances. God knows the the details of their lives that we don't know. God knows their schedules. He knows exactly when they're going to be in various places. And so we need to connect ourselves to the supernatural power and the supernatural leading of the Holy Spirit so that the words that we share with them go out with effectiveness and force. When we share, we're not stumbling over our words because we're so tuned in with the Holy Spirit that He is guiding what we say, applying what we teach to the hearts of people who do not know Him. What if our church became that way? What if daily in our prayers we said, God, there are a lot of people in Lowndes County who do not know you. We're not just talking about China and Iran. Though, by the way, let me just insert this here. Did you know that in the year 2019 and in the year 2020, the country on earth where Christianity grew at the most rapid rate was Iran? Does that surprise you? In a country where you will be beheaded for professing faith in Christ... Out of all of the countries in the world, Iran is where Christianity is growing at an alarmingly, not an alarming, an astonishingly fast rate. Because people there have heard the truth and they want others to hear it also. And so for us, we could become people of prayer to say, God, hear locally. You may call us to go halfway around the world, but you may call us to sow the seed here so that we can bring new brothers and sisters into the family. Everybody always has a next. There's not a single individual in this room who knows Jesus Christ as Savior. I'm telling you, there's not one exception. If we've been redeemed, God calls us to spread the word to those who don't know. And Paul gives us a pattern here. What might your next step be in this area? Maybe you begin a prayer list. Say, God, here are people that I know who do not know you. I'm praying daily for them. Maybe you already have a person in mind. Maybe as I've been speaking today, God laid a certain individual or individuals on your heart. And your next step would be this week, in the next seven days, I am working up the courage to say, look, we've known each other for a very long time and I've never talked with you about the most important part of my life, but I want to share it with you today. Maybe that would be a next step. I don't know how God might lead you but I hope you will be obedient to that. Philip's going to come and lead us in a closing song. Jackson's going to play for us. And as we sing together, I'd really like you to spend some time communing, interacting with the Lord to say, God, what would a next step in this area be for me? And allow him to reveal that to you, and then you resolve in your heart to take that step. If there are decisions that you'd like prayer for, I'll be standing here for just a moment as we sing together, Philip, what are we going